if we want to nurture the younger generation, the, the kids that are coming in now, we need to um, look at the way that we communicate and the way that we speak and listen um, and think differently um, in order to have our beautiful industry be one that, that sticks around for a long time and, and we're all happy to be in it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Mental health problems are not unique to hospitality, but with long hours, extreme pressure, and a culture traditionally built on a harden up and get on with it attitude, it has become a real issue within the industry. At a pandemic, it caused the collapse of the restaurant industry, and mental health is arguably the major issue confronting many right now. Amber Carver is the founder and owner of White Jacket Effect. Amber, how are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? Thanks for joining us. It's um, a pretty crazy time for the industry. Um, what's it been like uh, watching the collapse of the industry in the last six months? Oh, it's been pretty sad, I have to say. Um, I don't think anyone could have ever expected it to happen. But at the same time, it's presented quite a lot of opportunity um, for people to um, upskill and look at the way that uh, things have been going. And, you know, know, looking at those terrible sides to everything, but uh, looking at the bright side, um, we were... um, struggling as an industry um there are a lot of things that um that have been in the culture for for a long time and um, negative vices and and bullying behavior and i think um it's a, a good opportunity for us to really press restart those issues that you touched on in regards to the culture within the hospitality industry uh, drove you to create white jacket effect. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I guess I've I've been in the industry for many years. I, I started young, as a, a lot of us usually do, <laughs> and um, I worked my way up the ranks. Um, I have been fortunate enough to work with some absolutely amazing mentors, um, Peter Gilmore being the first one, um, cab off the rank. I was pretty fortunate to have that as my foundation. Um, but I moved to London and, and pursued my career there to you know, earn my stripes and I saw a lot of behaviours that... I didn't really agree with and um, because I was determined and, and, um, you know, had the ego of a chef to to push on and do well and succeed, I I put up with uh, those bullying behaviours and um, I didn't know at the time but consequently um, I developed some pretty... um, unhealthy coping mechanisms and um, 
when I came home to Australia, um, I really, I didn't, I, I didn't know, but I was really dependent on alcohol to deal with the stress and the pressure of the industry. But I, I still love the industry. That's um, not not saying that I don't love the the search for for perfection and the um, the time constraints and the you know the push to get ready for a service. But I was really um, using alcohol to deal with those things instead of um, other healthy ways. And um, my one of my mentors and very good friend Richard Moiser, he um, took his life um, a couple of years ago, and it was during that time that I had realised that I was using alcohol unhealthily, and um, I had really come to a stage in my life where I was able to see that it was controlling me, and I made the choice to stop. And uh, I, I'm fortunate enough that I haven't had a drink since, which is really great, but uh, he um, had been drinking and taking drugs since probably the moment he walked into the kitchen, and um, it just all caught up with him, and he was not able to see a way out. And so I felt really powerless around his him, him being unwell and his death, and um, I really just wanted to get a group of friends together, chef friends, front of house friends, and empower us with the knowledge of what to do in situations like that. So I, I did. I actually went to Peter Gilmore and I asked him if we could have an event at his restaurant in Sydney at Key. And he was totally supportive and um, that sort of kicked it all off. That's where White Jacket Effect um, began um, we we got a group of quite um, impressive group of, of Sydney professionals um, together and we talked about the culture of the industry and and I actually was very I was really nervous because I didn't think that people were ready to have that conversation um, as you know it's sort of suffer in silence it's it's the way that we've been trained to not talk about these sorts of things so I was really going out on a ledge and um, being vulnerable to to start the conversation but it went fantastically well um, there was amazing feedback and people were really willing to um, jump on board and and look at how we could um, make some positive changes in the industry to to have it be more healthy, more safe, more inspiring for the youngsters coming in, and and yeah, that's that's where it all began. I after that, I decided to do a few more events around Australia, and um, and it just evolved. It's been wonderful since that first event with Peter Gilmore. As you mentioned, you've done more across the country. Uh, what what's happened at these events and what are people sharing and what are some of the experiences that you've seen and the impact that it's had? Uh, it's It's been a wild ride, I have to admit. It's been very emotional. Um, 
from my perspective, it's been very emotional because I've been having to talk about my past and my vices and my um, relationship with Richard and, and everything. So that was um, something that I had to get used to doing. But what made me stronger around that was that the people just responded in such a beautiful way. Um, I had some... I had this one particular email which comes to mind uh, from a lady in the, the Canberra event. And um, she said, thank you so much, Amber, for getting up and, and telling us your story. She said, it gave me the confidence to go back to my workplace and let them know that I just needed a bit of time off. And um, they gave me the weekend off. She said, I went to the beach. I you know, relaxed and, and took a load off. And uh, when I came back to work, I was just so ready to give back to the rest of the team. And, you know, hearing stories like that, it just, uh, it just made it so worth it. And I just wanted to keep going. And, and it, the realization that it wasn't just helping that lady in the room, but it was also helping all the people that she worked with and their families as well. So, yeah, that's just one little thing that I remember. <laughs> Can you compare those days when, you know, you were faced with bullying and the horrendous hours that you had to work and you just sort of had to be, grin and bear it sort of. But how is how do you see the industry now? I know that you have this company and you go around and, and try and make a change, but... What, what is the state, as you see, of the industry in regards to mental health and people coping with with the uh, effects of working these sort of hours and pressures? Mm. Um, I, th I definitely think that there is a shift happening. Um, the younger generation are tending to be more open about the way they feel. Um, it's not necessarily... Um, uh, a huge improvement on, on what I saw when I was um, describing those times that I was in. Uh, I think in the high-end kitchens, there's still probably um, some of the behaviours that I used to see. I certainly know that um, Europe hasn't got a very reputation, very good reputation for, for those behaviours. Um, but... Yeah, the word is getting around that um, it's just not sustainable. And if we want to um, nurture the younger generation, the, the kids that are coming in now, we need to um, look at the way that we communicate and the way that we speak and listen um, and think differently. Um, in order to have our beautiful industry be one that that sticks around for a long time and and we're all happy to be in it. It took tragic circumstances for you to change your path and um, face some of the issues that you had. There's no doubt that mental health is a real problem at the moment um, and with the with the second lockdown in Melbourne, many in the industry are really struggling. 
What sort of advice from your own experience could you have for people that are really struggling at the moment? Um, get on to our new course. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really tough times. I have heard quite a lot of stories that are um, really, really gut-wrenching. Um, people are struggling out there, but... We have developed this course uh, specifically to uh, look at the way that we think and speak and listen. And if we can, if we can look at different perspectives, then we can always uh, choose to have a better outcome. So. Um, yeah, the, the course that we have developed is a professional develop co development course and it is tailored specifically for business owners, for managers and for staff and employees and it really gives them the power that they need to keep on going in these really tough times. We're, we're there to support and we're there to offer whatever we can do in terms of um, having them create and plan for the future. And um, yeah, I, like I said at the beginning of the call, it is awful and um, there are some really shit stories going around out there, but I think it is a, a great opportunity to look at how we do things and, and perhaps do things differently. Mental health problems are not unique to hospitality, but you mentioned a bit earlier that this moment is a chance to change some of the issues within the industry that um, create an environment that doesn't help with mental health. What are some of those things that you think need to change in the industry? Um, we could definitely uh, listen to each other um, in a... In a better way. Uh, we could communicate better and yeah, I, I think um, supporting one, one another is really big. Um, there's, there's often been a separation between front of house and back of house and I think it's really important to recognise that you're one team and um, you know, the, the end goal is to create something amazing for the customer and not just one uh, person can do that. It's everyone. We're, we're all in it together and to be able to make things flow and um, have an enjoyable experience doing that, um, we need to all work together as a team. So, yeah, that, I think that's really important. And in order to do that, it's all about communication. Why did you become a chef? Um, my dad was a chef. Um, he, he had a restaurant and I was always in the kitchen with him growing up. I think it was just something that was so familiar to me when I left school. I just thought, well, I'd like to do that. And, and it grew on me. I don't couldn't see myself doing anything else now. You mentioned uh, Peter Gilmore as a, 
a mentor early on in your career. What, what has been some of the really pivotal moments that um, has shaped you as a chef? Well, working at Key was amazing. I remember the first day that I started there. Gosh, that's a long time ago. And I was sitting on the steps having lunch and I said to the guy who was sort of looking after me, I said, oh, I just can't believe I'm working here. <laughs> um, and he said to me, the novelty wears off. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't really get it at the time. I, I certainly do now. But <laughs> working at Key was just amazing. The, the inspiration that Peter Gilmore provides and, you know, the, the camaraderie that we had in that kitchen at the time, it was wonderful. Um, it was a great base for me to start from and it really gave me the motivation to be the best that I could be. Um, going to London, it was tough, but I really wanted to prove myself. So I guess a pivotal, pivotal part of that experience was um, when I realised that I didn't want to be in that environment and I, I guess I kind of gave up. Um, it was very sad for me because I thought that I could do anything but I ended up leaving that place that I was at and I found another job and the, the next job that I found was absolutely brilliant. It was in an, another Michelin-starred restaurant and the chef there took me under his wing and taught me everything and it was a chalk and cheese situation. It was really um, wonderful. So that was awesome. And coming back to Sydney, I... I was at the stage of my career when I um, realised that that alcohol was not helping and that it was just being very destructive towards my relationships and my health. And um, I thought maybe I should go into catering. I had heard that, you know, that might have been easier hours or something. Anyway, I, I went into catering and of course if you want to be the best then easy hours doesn't exist so that was hardcore as well but um, a, a massive massive enjoyment to, to my career um, we did some amazing gigs I had um, I, I got a lot of confidence out of being the head chef and um it was really, it was a privilege to be able to work with some of the younger people and pass on my experience to them. So, yeah, that three really um, amazing parts of my career that I wouldn't give up for the world. What's been the favourite gig you've done as a caterer? We did, we did a, um, an amazing wedding once. Um, it was in the country we packed up everything. We basically packed up the whole business <laughs> into the back of a van and, and drove to the country and it was on this big farm and it went for three days. And so being the caterers, we had to do the breakfast and the lunch and the dinner, not only for the guests uh, but for us and all the staff involved. So it was a mammoth job um, but we pulled it off really well and the 
the bride and groom were absolutely stoked and because it was this massive event um, they spared no expense so it was really wonderful to be part of um, such a lavish experience and to be able to say that we contributed. You've worked at some pretty amazing restaurants but how do you describe your own food? Is there some signature dishes that you have that um, you love cooking? Um, I ha- I have uh, something that I am working on constantly and it is my um, quest for perfection. <laughs> um, I It is something that is quite crippling but at the same time I just... I just love, you know, working on something until it is spot on and and the best that you could ever imagine. So my the dishes that I would call my signature dishes are pretty special. Um, just to think of one, uh, it was a canapé. And you, you know the uh, Asian mandolin where you... Um, wind the potato around and the potato comes out like a shoelace so I uh, wound that around a little um, cylindrical piece of wood and uh, deep fried it uh, so that it was a cylinder of the shoelace potato and then filled it with horseradish creme fraiche and um, cured ocean trout and salmon pearls and it was it to it the the sensation that you have in your mouth when you bite into it is just unbelievable and all the flavors and the pops and the the creaminess is just beautiful but um the person who i handed down that job doing <laughs> was not very impressed with me <laughs> because it takes a very long time to get a perfect cylinder <laughs> but but beautiful product at the end <laughs> What's this period of time been like the last six months? I mean, it was uh, autumn when the lockdown happened and we're already into spring in Australia. It's been a really strange period of time. What's it been like for you personally? Personally, um, I've been very busy um, on on two different angles to that. Um, I've just started a new family. So having the lockdown in Sydney and having my husband home from work was actually really lovely um, to be able to spend that time together. Um, As you would know, being a chef, um, it's not very common to have everyone at home at the same time. Um, So that was a really nice thing that I took out of, of that situation. Um, But on the professional side of things, um, I've really um, been concentrating, I've been very dedicated to work out a way where we can support the industry as best that we can. Um, I've got a small group of people who are working with me at White Jacket Effect and as I mentioned before, we've we've put a lot of hard work in developing this um, online course. Um, we specifically chose to do it online because we know that one of the things in in the hospitality industry is we're very time poor, 
So you can do it at home in your leisure and you can pause it and start it and stop it when you like. Um, and we also find that um, coming from an angle to help others being just like mates is, is, a, is a nice way for people to open up and to really just say what, what is up for them and feel comfortable and safe to, to say what's going on in their world. Um, so, yeah, from a chef to another hospitality uh, professional, I just really wanted to make that platform open for anyone to feel comfortable to to get the help and the support that they need. So, yeah, I'm very proud of, of where we've got to and we're getting some awesome results at the moment um, from the people who are doing the course. Um, we're even, we've even been talking to um, some, some organisations about getting accredited. Uh, so that's really exciting. And, yeah, we're just... I'm, I'm really hoping that um, step by step we can we can make a difference in making a, a positive shift in the culture of the industry and having people be really inspired to get up and and do what we love for people out there that want to be involved with what you do or need help how, how can they get in contact with you uh, just send me an email um, I'm I'm at info at whitejacketeffect.com.au and, yeah, I would, would look forward to hearing from anyone who wants to get on board or, or look at the course. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting such great results at the moment um, that we are considering uh, increasing the price. So... It's a really good opportunity to, to get on board now and um, take advantage of it while it's dirt cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amber, you're amazing and inspiring and we're very honoured to have you on Deep in the Weeds. Um, please get in contact with Amber at uh, White Jacket Effect, uh, anyone out there that uh, needs help. Uh, Amber, thanks so much for joining us and uh, keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.